Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, it's back and better than ever with a brand new web interface to start the basketball season that has more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So what are you waiting for? Get on your mobile device right now and sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. When you use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. The Bears are on by, so I'm just I'm on by myself. It's time to talk about something else, and it's time to talk about my favorite sport. It's baseball. The GM meetings are underway right now, so it's time to bring on my Cubs consigliaries to talk about what the Cubs will or won't do this winter and see if we can pro- probably turn this back into somewhat of a winning ball club. But first, let's bring on our guest, one of our Cubs consigliaries himself. He actually was on the team this year. You probably don't realize it because you weren't at the games, and judging by attendance, you definitely weren't. It's Dom Fertini. Hello, Dom. This is like my 10th time here. I don't know if I'm more frustrated or just hell damn angry at this team. Like, I, I don't understand it after last year. I don't understand. I don't understand. So anytime we want to get started. We're going to take you to the limit. Uh, I, after, after, you know, we didn't really do a lot of these pods after the trade deadline. And I'll be honest, I took a little siesta myself. I took some time off from watching Cubs baseball. Just couldn't do it. Had to mourn, had to grieve. And we're going to dive into it right now and see if we can turn this team around. Coming up also on deck, he's also Sean Graves, my other Cubs consigliere. What's up, Sean? What's going on, fellas? So wait, you're telling me there was baseball after the trade deadline? I don't know that I, I knew about that. And let me just say, Dom, I took the over on the .5 sacrifice of bonds for you in the lineup, and that hit big. Thank you, sir. Way to get it. Way to square it up, Dom. Way to square it up. Yeah, no, Sean, I just thought it was a bunch of Rascal Flats concerts uh, at Wrigley the rest of the summer. I thought that was what was going down. But we're here to talk about the Chicago Cubs. It's a little early. The GM meetings are underway. And look, let's disclaimer and preface this by saying we don't know what's going to happen with this labor dispute right now. It might actually go on strike over the winter. They might still start spring training on time. But let's just put all that aside and let's assume that they're going to get through their their money problems and the baseball season is going to start in the spring coming up in 2022 so let's talk about what the chicago cubs are going to do right now as we speak like in the very first scene of rounders tom ricketts is going around the house while his wife's reading a book or in the shower and he's pulling money out of his boot pulling money out of a fake dummy book he's going in he's slipping all of his cash he's getting a big fat wad because he's walking up to the he's walking up to free agency and he's gonna spend a bunch of money right I don't know. We'll see. Dom, let's just start here. We got a new general manager, Carter Hawkins. Jed Hoyer gets kicked up to president of operations. Just your general thoughts on that move from him coming over with the Indians. Obviously, a track record of pitching. Do you like the move? I, I mean, he seems like, a, you know, just as good as guy as any. Like, who, you know, if, if you've got a bunch of no names on the team, why don't you just call me? I'll move some pieces and then you guys could do the podcast about me and like, hey, he made some good moves. He also developed pitching. Listen, this guy's known for developing young talent and pitching. I, I get it. And and that's what this organization needs. So, I mean, if that's your basis of, of who you're looking to hire, then you get an A. I mean, 
Yeah, it's a funny thing in sports, right? When it's like in football, when you have the defensive coach and you fire him, you always get the offensive coach. You fire the offensive coach, you bring in the defensive coach. And obviously, pitching is so bereft in the Cubs organization right now. And maybe they're kind of like taking a, a cue from this concept of when they first came in, Theo and Jed, they, they went in very heavy on young hitting, young, you know, young hitters. And as we're kind of moving along, maybe they're realizing that a more sustainable ecosystem for a Chicago baseball organization would be growing pitching. Sean, hop in real quick. Your thoughts on Carter Hawkins. And also, uh, let's open it up with you too. And Dom, I want to hear from you as well. Just what Jed's comments over the last couple of days, cryptically kind of sort of saying, do you think he will or will not spend this winter? Well, yeah, I mean, first on Hawkins, I think Dom is right. I mean, you know, okay, why not that guy? I mean, the comments I've kind of read from Jed about him is it's supposed to kind of be a balance thing, right? Jed's a guy that kind of came up through that Red Sox organization where they spent a lot of money and his focus was kind of more transactional and that's how you get players. So you wanted to go with someone to kind of balance him out. Hawkins fits that. He comes from an organization that's more about drafting and developing and especially young pitchers, which is which the Cubs just haven't been able to do. So from like that, that standpoint, that balance, it all sounds good on paper. I mean, I guess time will tell. As far as spending money, man, I, you know, also being a Cubs season ticket holder, it's not just Hoyer. It's, I, you know, I got the postseason email from Tom Ricketts saying we will be competitive next year. We are going to spend money, yada, yada, yada. I'm kind of like you all believe it when I see it. Because my thing is, what does that mean? What does spending money mean? Does that mean, oh, we're going to go out and get Wade Miley on 10 million. We'll go get another guy on two at 20 and, a th- you know, and a third guy will go four at 60. So look, guys, we did spend $40 million this offseason. We did spend. But as Cub fans, knowing what we are value and how much money we can spend, does that count? I, I don't think that it does. Print your season tickets now. Wade Miley <laughs> on the mound. Uh, Dom, you have to love that for sure. Weigh in on, you know, Jed's comments. They keep trying to sell this thing that they are going to be spending money, but also with the caveat of, you know, we're not we're not going to the good restaurant. We're not going to the best yeah. restaurant. We're probably going to go to the Bennigans, the Hands. You know, where do you think these Cubs, uh, this Cubs team is going to turn? Because there's so many holes to fill. I mean, that's undeniable. Fancy like Applebee's. This is not, this is going to be, you know, if there's one, thing, <laughs> I don't have any patience for this, but if there's one thing that, you know, Theo tried to teach us is that I can't do this in one year. Uh, I can't, I can't even do it in two years. I can do it in four to six um and yeah god that sucks that i'm gonna have a seven-year-old by then <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> hey, look at this great team um but you know one more thing on carter hawkins just because you're an assistant gm does not make you the gm like i can sit next you know if i sit next to joe madden that doesn't make me a great manager that just makes me privy to some fantastical information and maybe this guy has that fantastical information but if if mom and dad don't loosen the purse strings, hands are tied, man. Then then Wade Miley is your move. And like Sean said, where else are you spending money? Are we getting better monitors in the upper deck? Um, are you getting a new restaurant somewhere? Oh, we're going to build this thing at the Captain Morgan Club for gambling. That's going to spend some money. That doesn't produce results on the field. Now, that produces results in my wallet because I can bet against this team um, knowing when Wade Miley is going to pitch on a windy summer Wednesday afternoon. Uh, like, come on, man, what are we even doing out here? It doesn't seem there's no clear, concise, here's the budget we're going to have, or here's no budget we're going to have, make it work. 
And that's the part that I think is going to continue to confuse Cubs fans all winter long of, you know, Dom, you're bringing up a great point of, so what is it, right? Like we've got all these young, talented players in the, in the minor leagues, supposedly, but they're all 19 or 20 years old. Yep. So to just be very, very frank about that, that four years down the road, you know, your seven-year-old Dom, that's for them, right? That's when that's coming down. Brennan Davis is going to have jerseys in our house until <laughs> kingdom come. <laughs> but, but, Sean, what do you do in the meantime with that, right? I mean, you can't just kind of wade Miley your way through it. Now, look, I, he's a solid pitcher. A lot of the analytics say that, you know, he's been actually probably underrated the last couple of years. But, again, I'm going to warn you all right now, on that windy Wrigley day, uh, in the afternoon, he's going to make it four or five outs and seven runs. And they're like, oh, it's going to be over. quick hook for Wade Miley. You know, Sean, yeah. why can't these Chicago Cubs, maybe not this year, but over the next two years, you know, do a little bit this year, do a little bit next year, and position themselves to have success for the next four years before those kids show up? Why is that such an, uh, an, a foreign concept for this Cubs organization? I, I don't know that, and it shouldn't be because you look around in our own division and you hate, you know, bring up someone like the Cardinals, but they always find a way to stay relevant. They never completely do the sell off. They may not be World Series contenders every year, but they're always competitive. I mean, look at this year. And I think with what Jed really needs to kind of come out to us as fans, he needs to come out and say, okay, look, guys, we are for sure doing this, whether it's rebuild, retool, whatever. We think our window is this. We think if it's a retool, by 2023, we're right back there, not only winning the division, but we're, we're in the playoffs, we're competing for the ring. Or it's a rebuild, and we think it is, like Dom said, it's built for his six- or seven-year-old a few years down the line. That gives us more clarity, and it lets us know what our expectations should be for this winter specifically. Because if you look around, and I'll take it to the pitching market real quick, there's no John Lester on the pitching market this year, right? There's no guy you're going to give a six-year deal to where you say, we may be not so competitive in the, in the playoff standpoint his first two years, but I've got him four more years after that, and we expect to be competing hardcore for rings by then, and we're already set at our one and two with that guy and Hendricks. So you have a, guy, a bunch of guys in the pitching market that are all two- to four-year guys that are okay – that may help us kind of stay somewhat within a few games of the wild card, but in three or four years, they're gone and you're kind of starting over anyways. That's why it is so important that hopefully a guy like Carter Hawkins comes in and with the guys we already have that we do develop young pitching. Dom, I want to throw it to you. So is there a possibility that the reason why the Cubs might not spend a whole lot on the offense this winter is because the starting pitching options just really aren't that great and, you know, you can't just have one. You can't have one imbalance over the other. Yeah, I mean, I th I think um, you got to go with the pitching tree. You got to develop pitchers because you could always get other positions. But like pitchers, you kind of have to breed yourself. Like if, if you just look at this crop of shortstops for this year, I mean, I can not spend a whole lot of money and still get a top ten shortstop in the league to come play for me. But I can't do that with with pitching. I mean, if I want an elite pitcher, it seems like, like you mentioned with, with no Lester being out there, like you're going to have to develop that talent. Pitching should stay within the organization. I can get talent from anywhere. I mean, look at me. I mean, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm just sitting here waiting for the phone to ring. Hello. Well, yeah. And here, here, here's the, here's the issue, right? With the Chicago Cubs, clearly they're not going to be involved and any of the pitchers that are over 34, 35, some of the big names like the Kershaw, the Scherzer, the Verlander, whatever, that's not just going to happen, right? But there's a whole other tier of guys. I'm just going to read them off real quick. 
Uh, you got Marcus Stroman, Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Usei Kikuchi, Steven Matz, Dylan Bundy, Corey Kluber, Michael Waka, Danny Duffy. These are all guys that I think could possibly be targets for the Cubs if it is a one-year incentive-based type deal and you just kind of cross your fingers and hope that it works out. You know, Sean, is there anyone – we're going to stick with pitchers right now. Is there anyone on this list? Because, look, it's just Hendricks, Wade Miley, mm-hmm. Albert Azale, and what? We're going to give Justin Steele a shot, and there's still another fifth place right there. If any of those guys are out there right now or maybe someone that isn't on that list, is there any starting pitcher that maybe the Cubs could target? Well, yeah, and I think first off, like this is going to be the huge balancing act for Jed and Carter to decide here, right? Like, again, none of these guys are probably going to be there when we hope to compete for real in three or four years. So what are you looking for out of a a free agent versus what are you looking for out of in-house? Because like you said, Alzale, Steele, Keegan Thompson, Jordan Wicks, who you drafted this year. I'm not giving up on any of those guys based off this year. You know, Steele, Alzale, and Thompson all had nice moments. They deserve their chance to go into spring training with a chance to make the rotation. So if, if that's a shot and you've already got Hendricks, you've already got Miley, I think I've seen enough of the Alec Mills in the rotation. God bless him. But and you add up what Jed Hoyer said, I believe, yesterday about we have to be careful of having too many of the same type of guys in the rotation, which, hello, I mean, Wade Miley is just Kyle Hendricks from the left side. <laughs> that, that, that kind of says to me that they want to go out and they want to find some velocity. So do we think they're going to add one more after Miley? Are we going to go two more? I think probably just one more arm and you'll give the rest of those guys a chance. Uh, I think Marcus Stroman is a great guy. I mean, he's a 52% ground ball rate expected for next year. And like we talked about Miley pitching in June and in Wrigley with the wind blowing out, you better be able to put the ball on the ground or else bet the over on the home runs. I think he's a good guy to look at. Steven Matz coming off a great year with Toronto. He's a guy that comes mid-90s, age 31. Now, these guys I don't think are going to be one-year guy, though. I mean, I think Stroman right now is looking at maybe four at 70 to 100. Steven Matz is projected, I think, probably around that same range. If you're looking more guys that are in that, that smaller realm, you're looking at the guys like who someone Don mentioned earlier and Alex Cobb, who's projected at two or 20 or Anthony Discoflini, who's projected at two or 20. So the Cubs really got to really got to balance that here. Are they going to go out for a guy like a Stroman or a Matt or a Robbie Ray, or are they going to bargain shot? Yeah. Robbie Ray looks like it's going to be closer in that Zach Wheeler territory. So I've kind of cooled off on wanting him. I think Stroman's a really interesting call on that one. Sean, hop back in. The, the, the one guy, if he would take it, if I could give him one year and I said to him, I'll give you one year at 20 million. I would go down to the south side and I would pluck Carlos Rodon right now. Mm. I, can't, I, I have a hard time giving him more than that because like I'm sure you guys are terrified of his health. But here, here's what Steamer has him projects, projected at next year. 154 innings, a 3-4-7 ERA, a ground ball rate of 40%, a 4-to-1 K-to-walk ratio. Would you not take that from, from Rodon? 150 innings? Considering where we are with analytics and baseball, if he gives you 30 starts, that's an average of five innings a start. That's kind of what pitchers give you these days. Yeah, the, the thing with Rodon, I think, is that from his perspective, I think he'll go to anyone that'll put two years on the deal. And that, that'll be a little bit tough. But but Dom Wayne in this as well, because there is an element of, let's just say they we want to do this middling road with the Chicago Cubs. You still got to get one of those pitchers, one of those Scott Feldmans out there that they're going to cross their fingers and hope that they can maybe flip in July, right? 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the model seems to be, you know, they continue with this process of let's take a broken person and see if we can fix them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that that has yielded some some decent fruit in the past years. And it's also, you know, we got some some rotten fruit out of that deal. You know, you asked, how do you fix this rotation? Last year, Zach Davies, 5780 ERA, Kyle Hendricks, 477, Alec Mills over five, Azale, four and a half. And, you know, we went into this, the, the podcast in the season last year with, you know, they're going to have to miss some bats because they don't have, they don't have the firepower. So my answer is smoke. You got to bring some heat. Um, you can't just have Kyle Hendricks and, and Wade Miley throwing, you know, mid to upper eighties and hoping to miss a bat or two because, because you don't have the lineup that can out smash somebody. You just don't. Um, I, I, like, yeah, Rodon, Rodon definitely solves that issue. Another guy that isn't necessarily, uh, you know, pumping, maybe more of a 93-94 guy. I'm kind of curious about Dylan Bundy. Now, he completely crapped the bed last year, but the previous season he had a career year, so it's going to be one of those interesting bounce-back kind of scenarios. And I can kind of see the well, Cubs. that seems to fit the mold. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's also one of those things where it feels like from the pitching side of things, maybe they go out and they do something like a Kikuchi or a Rodon or a Stroman or something like that. They could do that. It also sort of feels like that they're going to kind of wait, wait the market out a little bit because one of these guys every single year gets squeezed. Like we saw it with Michael Waka last year. He ended up on the, you know, ended up on the Rays. Totally kind of worked out though, right? But they got him at their price. I'm wondering if the Cubs are going to be willing to kind of gamble. Because they kind of are in that position where I guess the mandate to win next year isn't as great as it has yeah. been in previous years. Well, you know, another name that just seems like destined to be a Cub, good or bad, is John Gray from the Rockies. Oh, please, God, no. You know what I mean? Now, I'll tell you. Now, now, look, here's his projections for next year. 169 innings, 4-1 ERA, 3-1 K to walk, 45% ground ball rate. They're saying he gets three at around 13 to 15 a year. God, that's just that's, I, it just, that's it's insane brutal. amount of money. Yeah, that's an, that's an insane amount of money. Um, Forty-five for million dollars for a guy you can't pick out of a lineup. Yeah, his numbers are terrible. His WAR, I think, was as close to two this year, which I think is probably getting him that fifteen million dollar number. I don't buy it. I pulled up his splits real quick. Um, you know, you're like, oh, course field, get him out of course field. His ERA was over five away from course field last year. So, <laughs> look, I, I think I and I, I Sean, man, look, I'm. You're saying this because you're correct. That is something that the Cubs would do and try and target. I think that that is kind of a disaster piece, especially if you have to go multiple years with that guy. I'd rather go on a one year with a Danny Duffy, a Michael Walker, you know, a Dylan Bundy. Sure. I'd rather go one year on those guys, kick the can down the road, try and get to 80, 84 wins. If you can, we'll see what happens, you know, and then roll it back again next year with Carter fully in the system and maybe hopefully making some moves. And I think ultimately that's probably the smart thing to do because again, you're, 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 you're taking the, the guys you have now recent, you know, you're in your own system and you don't want to bury them with a bunch of free agents that you signed to three, four years that may or may not work out. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez is another name you could throw out from the Red Sox if you wanted to throw some money around. But I think you're probably right, like in the short and long term, because this pitching class is not super great, you're probably smarter to go for like a Dylan Bundy, an Alex Cobb, a Discalfini, something that's like a one or two year deal. That ain't going to be an ace, but they'll slide right into your three or four when you 10 to 13 games next year. And then it's better than having Alec Mills back on the rotation. And that's the thing, man, is that, look, the Chicago Cubs 
it, it, it's mixed messaging in my opinion because you're bringing up yeah. something that Jed said there. Well, you have to be really careful because twenty twenty two dollars, you know, isn't the same as the twenty twenty the dollar that you spend in twenty twenty six. And he's making a point industry wide that I think makes some sort of sense. But at the same time, in the interim, what the hell happens? You yeah. can't just start this thing over from scratch. So, Dom, I want you to front this one. We're going to go over to the offense a little bit quick because I think this is the area. Now, look, I'm not I'm not stomping my feet for Carlos Correa and Corey Seager at $300 million. Those dudes get injured. I don't even think either of those dudes are shortstops long term. But I do think, though, that the Cubs need to probably grab some sort of offense on maybe a three, dare I say, four-year deal because you can't just predict that everything's going to work out perfectly. These guys have to be along for the ride, and hopefully when these kids come up, they can be supported by veterans that are already in the lineup. Dom, where are you offensively? That's where I think they should be spending the money. I, I mean, if you're going to develop pitchers in your organization, you may as well go out and spend the rest of whatever you're allotted to on, on some ball players. Fun fact, if you want to put people in the seats – Looking up Dylan Bundy's uh, statistics, the first three videos that come up are him puking on the mound. So <laughs> come on down to the ballpark, kids. A little something to think about. I don't know. Might as well uh, jump, jump. <laughs> so in terms of offense, and and you know, you kind of link this question with a couple of things. You you asked about which of the guys they got rid of that you would want back in kind of a ranking system. And then you asked a question about Patrick wisdom and you know, Frank, the tank, like you gotta, like you said, with mixed messages, you gotta make the decision. Are we going to go, do we want a veteran to kind of bring this team together? Ian Happ is not my choice to bring this team together. So do you go out and, you know, try and get one of those players you let go, or do you keep, wisdom and frank the tank in their spots as they're going to be this the, the future of this ball club in terms of in terms of offense i i think listen i don't want to pay 300 million for Corey seager but man would i love to have a ball player like this guy mm -hmm. i mean you know defense a little bit sketchy but hitting you gotta be kidding me like he hits fastballs too he yeah. is an amazing hitter um i'd love to have a guy like that a little more affordable Marcus Simeon, uh, well, we seem to have a backlog of middle infielders, and that goes into another question. Older, older, does he fit into a time frame where we could be competitive with the stuff that we already yeah. like and have yeah. come up and yeah. But there's going to be some suitors for him, and his price goes up too, you know, the more people get in it. And then there's always, you know, Big Nick out of Big Stick Nick out of uh, Cincy. I mean, you're going to have multiple vendors for him and people looking for his services. So, I mean, you, if – you have money to spend. If the designated hitter is going to be in place, then you're going to have to make some organizational changes. People, you know, in the playoffs, Kyle Schwarber should not be at first base. Kyle Schwarber can plug a hole at first base, yes. but I mean, he's barely a left fielder. This guy is built to DH. Give him some money. Why not offer him some money? You know, if you want to keep, if you want to keep uh, Frank the tank at first base, go out and get a Rizzo. You can platoon those guys. DH, the DH opens because that's the thing with I think Rizzo, and I, unfortunately I think for, for Rizzo's camp I think they would like an answer on the universal DH sooner than later because he's I think a lot of guys right now. Win. I think yeah, going to open up a market. Yeah, and it, he, a guy like Rizzo can get more years on his deal if a team knows that he can be used as a DH because I think he can be very effective there. Great first baseman, I think physically it just takes his toll on him. 
And and I think the DH point is so so important, Dom, especially with what they target. And look, let's start to have this conversation. You know, guys that are out there, the former Cubs that are out there on the market right now, Schwarber, Soler, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant. Now, some people might say, hey, you know, why don't you look outside your own yard? There's other options out there. But again, a lot of these guys are in the top 20 list of most coveted free agents that will be going around this winter. And so it is very, very plausible to say to yourself, hey, you know, you know what's pretty important in a hard commodity in baseball? A left-handed power hitter, Kyle Schwarber. Hey, you know who's actually probably not going to cost a lot of money and could hit 30-plus home runs next year? Jorge Soler. Hey, guess whose number dropped like a stone to the bottom of the ocean? Javier Baez. Hey, who, who doesn't need a five-year deal anymore? Anthony Rizzo. KB is a different story. You know, I think he's going to go top dollar to wherever. You know what I'm saying? But, but Sean, let's start here. I want to hear kind of your ranking or just give us, out of those guys, you know, Schwarber, Soler, Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, which one do you think that the Cubs should actually consider bringing back? Well, let me say first, let's hop in back real quick. I think that the offensive market is stronger than pitching, so I think the Cubs should spend money in the offensive market. It's why I, I think the Cubs should go get one of these 27, 28-year-old shortstops and give them the money because they will be there past the next two or three years. You want to get fans excited? That's how you get fans excited. That's how you get season ticket holders there next year. That's how we take your message series of being competitive again right away. Don't get, forget watching them on the Marquee Network. Marquee Network. You get a 27, 28-year-old that's going to be there in their prime and help you win going forward. Which one do you want? Uh, I mean, I, I think why, why, why do you not call up Correa and take a massive swing at him? And then if he says no, then you go to Seager. I, I think you think you could, and then I, then I would go Javi over Trevor Story, I think, but I would go in that round because Javi, you're going to get for, I think, four to 85 for a hundred. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, but I'll take that into your, into your question now about Cubs that have left and Cubs I want back. A, I don't even put KB on the list because I, I think there's, a better chance of Dominic being the opening day starter than KB. That's what I like to hear. That's the attitude I'm looking for. (laughs) I think it really does kind of come down to the others. So I'll give you, so you guys tell me, so they're saying Schwarber four at 60, Solaire one to two between eight and 18. Their, their, their projections for next year are almost identical. Schwarber's at 238, 344, 494 slug, 26 K 13 walk. Solaire is 238, exact same batting average, 331 on base, so 10 points lower, 469 slug, so 25 points less, same K rate, pretty much same walk rate. So it really comes down to, do you want to spend more money to get that left-handed pop? Do you need that? Or yes. do you want to spend a little bit less to get the left-handed <laughs> pop? Because again, we talked about Frank Schwindel. His numbers next year to me, what they haven't projected for, are stupid. I don't buy this for a second. Wait, can I guess? Can I guess? He's got, um, he's got, I'm going to get half numbers. I was going to guess uh, 294, 376, 468. So you're, you're aiming a little high. So they, A, they have him playing 135 games. You're not platooning if you're playing 135 games. They have him going 270, which uh-huh. you would take it all day for 135. 318 on base, 480 slug with 28 bombs and a 1.5 war. If he Frank, had 28 home runs this year. If Frank the Tank gave you that, wouldn't you take that all day? I don't think that's happening, but like, you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't you? Yeah. The, we love you, Rizzo, but we've, we've got Frank the Tank doing that. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, and, and let's be let's be really fair to the Schwindel wisdom conversation, right? I do think that they, they probably deserve to have a shot 
at getting 500 at bats next year. But look, if those guys are our three, four hitters and we're expecting them to drive in anywhere from 160 to 180 runs between the two of them, we are doing them a disservice. They need they need to have support. Like if we really want to see whether these guys can be, you know, cogs or some sort of pieces or assets moving forward, don't make them your only hope for offense. I just think that that's way too much pressure for guys that let's be real came on later on in the season. You know, wisdom was just honestly it was either out of the ballpark or it was in the catcher's glove, right? I mean, there's only one of the two ways, the two outcomes of Patrick Wisdom's at bats. You can't just make him the only guy. I personally, I. I think Schwarber's the move, man, honestly, especially with the universal DH. Left-handed power bat, it's really, really hard to pick that up. He seems to have really figured it out. I just think he's a guy that can just be a dude that you can cheer for on a warm Wrigley day and also maybe probably be around and age into, hopefully, when you know a Preciado or a Brennan Davis or a NEMA player and Ed Howard comes up and maybe hopefully helps out this lineup. Uh, Dom, hop in. You know, asking this, you know (laughs) – If I'm if I'm the starting pitcher on opening day, I assure you, I am not nervous blowing through this lineup with Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel, especially in the middle of the lineup. Like, great, I'm gonna walk the one and two hitters just to get to these two guys inning over. Um, in terms of you know, you asked which one of the Cubs do you want back? So I made the list of Grace Merton and Glenn Allen Hill. Um, I don't know if they're going to, if they're going to jump into this conversation or not, but um, with the ones, you know, we suggested here, I'll stick with those. Obviously I wrote down Chris Bryant first because he seems to have the most upside and most natural talent. Of course, that's going to cost the organization an arm and a leg. And if you're yeah, him, but wait, but wait, isn't it, wait, isn't come it back? crazy? Isn't it crazy that if we could get Chris Bryant for $160 million, after, ask the Dom from two or three years ago. You say, "What are Done. we waiting for?" Done, yeah. right? That's it's so weird. The optics of it have changed so greatly. I mean, and also, it's just so funny that we're talking about these guys right now, and we'll never know the full story of whether they passed on money or whether the extensions were actually given or presented or not. But man, dude, like Rizzo turning down that seventy million now looks brutal for him. Javi getting that 180 pulled from him, brutal now. And the whole thing of the Cubs maintaining that they offered KB at least 200 million, and he turned it down, brutal now. Like it's just, and like you can even imagine maybe a Schwarber got offered an 80, 85 somewhere along the way. All these Cubs lost money; they all lost, right? They lost on this gamble that they did of trying to make more cash. Well, and I, I think it's, I, and I think that is kind of what makes Schwarber like you said, not only the right choice here, but the safest choice here, because we know what he is. It's, now, I think I think knowing if there's a DH or not will definitely color which way you go with Schwarber and how much money, but assuming there will be a DH, he's absolutely the choice because he will be here for one thing. He will be here to go up there and hit you 40 home runs from the left side every year. And he's still, what, late 20s? He can carry that in, like you said, to the next four or five years, six years, and still do that one thing we need him to do hit homers and get on base. Whereas giving someone like Javi hundred mil, 120 terrifies me because he's still going to do what Javi does. He's still going to swing at everything. He's still going to not take his walks. He, his defense, I think is starting to slack a little bit. He'll still make the amazing play for you, but he's starting to, to boot the routine play a little bit more. Well, He'll be a third baseman by the end of that deal. Yeah. Or, or, or second base. Something or second, like that. Yeah. I mean, if you could look, if you could get KB for $160 million, I would take it. But I, I think about that too. I'm like, would I want to give him eight years at 160? I don't think so. 
he gets he gets as hurt as I do running these days. You know what I mean? Like I think the cap on him has probably got to be five six years, right? I I would think so. I mean, you know, the thing about Javi is that he, you know. Knock on wood, he's never had a major injury, right? He's never had. I mean, we can point to. Let's go to up and down the list here a little bit. You know, at least KB uh, Schwarber still tore his ACL at one point, right? KB's had a bunch of different issues. I think the shoulder secretly is still something that probably bothers him from time to time. And Rizzo has the back. Baez has never had that, right? He had the freak uh, wrist fracture a couple seasons ago. And that's been pretty much it. The dude's been pretty durable. I do see him as a third baseman moving forward down the line and yeah there's I just think that this offense needs they need to do two pieces and it really sort of depends on like do you do which doesn't look like they're going to would you do the Correa Seager and then maybe like an Eddie Rosario on a one-year deal or something or me personally I kind of would be more interested in a Schwarber Castellanos a Schwarber a Schwarber Baez now Baez the years I'm with you guys the years with Baez scares me like I wouldn't go over four years with him to be honest with you um and Dom let's just kind of put a bow on this this part of the conversation um where are you on Rizzo would you want yes. Rizzo back because guess what the price yeah. is amazing now yeah I mean I, I didn't want him to leave <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. And like we talked about at the top like after they got rid of those guys like I didn't, I didn't want to watch. It was, it was too hurtful to see it. Like, you know, and God bless these guys for going out and playing hard every day. You got to give it to them, but like, they're not doing it for free either. It's like, they're getting some good money to do it. But like, I would take any one of those guys back. I would take Soler. Like I couldn't have been happier for Soler and a guy who Kansas city and Chicago molded this guy to what he is. And he is the most feared player in the playoffs. A first, first player to hit a, a first pitch first at bat home run in the world series what a great staff for him to own and for him to be in the mlb record books I, i'm so happy for all of them i would take any single one of them back i would take rizzo back i think you're right on bias for as hard as he plays he's not been injured i think that's interesting uh, for all those wild slides he takes you think there'd be a shoulder injury some sort of arm or wrist problem or something like that but if you give me a DH, this is going to change the list. I mean, yeah. of course I'm going to pay extra yeah. for a left-handed bat. As Even as much as he strikes out and stares at that strike three and then looks at the umpire and then continues his walk, I got to take it. Yeah, Sean, hop in. Well, you know, before we tie a bow on this issue, I think the one thing with the Cubs, when we talk about whether it's guys we might want to have them bring back or it's the Schwindel or Wisdom, the Cubs have to get rid of redundancy on this lineup right? We can't keep having a bunch of dudes that do the same thing, right? So if you're going to bring a Schwarber back, why do you need an Ian Happ? If you're going to have a Patrick Wisdom on your lineup, why do you need a David Bowen, right? We have too many guys that do the same damn thing. So whatever they do offensively, you've got to get some more guys. We can't just bring a bunch of guys back in here, even if we love them, that all they want to do is hit home runs, which is why I think like inserting like a Schwarber and a Javi back in your lineup, we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen what that looks like when you put guys that hit 230 and 240, but will run into a hanging slider or a fastball. It, it hasn't worked for our offense. We've got to put some guys back in there that'll make your contact, that are going to hit 280, 300, which we'll discuss that in a minute, I'm sure. Someone like Nick Magic was going to help with that. It's why I would love like the Castellanos. Like if you, if you put a gun to my head and I had to say which Cub to bring back, I know he's a short Cub. Wouldn't Castellanos have to be more to the top of that because he's entering his prime, coming after the All Star year? 
clearly he's, likes playing here. He loves he loves being a Cub. He's going to hit 280, 290 with 20, 25 bombs. I mean, so I think the Cubs have to be careful of redundancy. We have to make sure we have guys that do different things and we don't revert back to all or nothing players. Well, and I think the other thing that Cubs fans need to understand, and they, we have to be really – really 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 cognizant of this and be critical of them when if it, it does not happen of these are moves that we're talking about that are not breaking the bank yeah they really aren't like i mean okay castellanos would probably cost a pretty penny but i think that would probably be worth it and it doesn't look like he's going to get over 100 million right it's probably gonna be three three at 60 is the projection right now so okay three at 60 if you did a castellanos and you did a rizzo your lineup just got a whole lot better and it's probably only going to put maybe Thirty to thirty-five million on your books, and guess what? Also, both those deals will expire by the time you're hoping that all this stuff probably kicks in in terms of the maturation of your farm system. So, I don't think we're asking for pie in the sky here. So, if they fall short of this, we really do have to ask ourselves the question of what exactly are they planning on doing? Because I think this season in particular is going to be really kind of interesting as a table setter of what they plan on doing the next four years. Are they actually really going to try and compete the next four years? Or are they going to eat shit and then just pray to God that Pete Crow Armstrong is, you know, the next coming of whatever, right? So yeah. I don't think we're asking for too much here about, like, we're not saying sign $300 million guy here and $150 million guy here. I think you can get yeah. really creative. You could do a Solaire, Castellanos, and Rizzo for 40 to $45 million, right? I mean, the, 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 Cubs could, the Cubs could spend $75 million this off. I mean, you know, per total per player for just next year, and their payroll would still only be around a buck forty, buck fifty for next year. You'd still have plenty of, of room for other contracts one and two years down the line, especially as the ones you signed this year come off the books in a couple of years. So, like you said, you could go out there and add four or five solid major league players that make you relevant and competitive in this division, which is not great. I don't think the Brewers are going to do what they did this year again next year. I just don't believe it. The Cardinals will be right there. Pirates still sink. The Reds are selling everything, including the stadium, it sounds like. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you go out, you can add four, five, six guys where the most you'll spend on one player is 15 to 20 million. And you've got a good competitive team for next year, and it doesn't kill you long term. Everyone wants the, what's the next generation of Cubs or whatever. I'm, I, I'm all for that. I'm just saying it's going to take a couple of years before that happens. Just put me together a ragtag veteran grizzled group dirty similar to you know the 2005 players stocks a boston yes. type yeah some just some guys that are on two three-year deals they want to play for each other and play to play together they're probably maybe not in the twilight of their careers but probably getting there on their last contracts and get out there and just play good baseball right nothing too flashy i know they're talking a lot about with the a's right now i guess the a's are trying to sell some pieces and try and move along you know maybe go out and get a chapman or something like that i think that could be really interesting you know, Dom, I, I think this is actually really doable with some, you know, some smart moves that aren't necessarily going to break the bank. I think you just sprinkle it on the second tier instead of maybe the top shelf. And, you know, overall, I also think that would be good for putting people in the stands. I mean, there's going to be no I mean, Sean and I were there pre-trade deadline and it was still pretty filled. I mean, it was it was it was May, June, something like that. And, and seats were filled. Um, beautiful night, by the way. Um, but you know, post trade deadline, I mean, we're talking tumbleweeds, my friend, like there weren't a whole lot of butts in the seats. I don't know what they were giving as announced attendance because of course it's tickets sold. But if you go out and get a Rizzo or a Schwarber, 
you're going to bring some people back who want to see those guys. You know, there's no denying Rizzo in the community is a boost to whatever community he's involved in. Um, so off the field, it looks great. Um, we also have to remember this isn't, this isn't Theo. This isn't 2015. This isn't 2016. It's, it's different. I would love to see some gritty ball players if we're just going to meander through the next couple of years. I have no idea why David Bodie is still on this team. I don't understand it. Again, I will go down with the ship that he had one magical at bat and that has shot him into the stratosphere in the Cubs organization. Um, yeah, it was a great at bat. You know, they won the game. It was awesome and great highlight. But, you know, like Sean said, the, the repetitiveness – I'll go get a David Bodie anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. My, my neighbor can hit a curveball. That's, you know, that's great. I'll put him at there, but you know, you still have Hayward on the books. I like Jason Hayward. He's not Jason Hayward of 10 years ago. That's that, that hurts, but I don't think, you know, is 22 million really putting a dent in, in the grand scheme of whatever your plans are. Yeah. No, you, trade Bodie, get something for him. Um, the next whatever this team is going to be in the next few years is going to be a little bit more exciting than it has been the past couple of years. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And the funny thing is, and this is kind of where, this is kind of where the Cubs aired, right? You know, if we can kind of look back on, you know, they have this core group of prospects that they brought up and then they tried to bring people in or tried to sign a David Bowie long-term because they thought it was, you know, cash efficient, but David Bodie, his greatest stat was exit velo. Right. Yep. It wasn't RBIs or average or it was all he hits the ball harder than when he squares it up. He hits it harder than anyone else on the team in the game. Of five years. The same thing with Tyler Chatwood, his peripherals, his analytics, his spin rate, not the results. It was all projected spin rate through this course of analytics. And unfortunately, what ended up happening, and I'm going to maintain this, is we ended up being forced to trade all of our World Series heroes because they were the problem. Um, they couldn't get it done when, in fact, all the moves that they had made to support and help fortify the infrastructure that they had already built was crumbling around them until you only just had the pillars in the house and then you had to knock down the house. But yeah. they didn't get it done. As Sean has said, you know, we've seen what late September and early October looks like for those guys. Like, it is, believe me, as much as I love every single one of those guys and would defend their honor, like, you know, the easy pushback is when you got to the playoffs, I mean – that the Derek Jeters of Florida like blew this team out of the water. And it was like, what is happening? This should not be, this, this isn't any one of these guys that I know right now, whether there's fans in the seats or not, like they, they're just not getting it done. So, I mean, if the goal is on base percentage and the goal is moving guys over and getting them in, like bottom line, they weren't getting it done at the end. It, yeah. And it, it, it's great from that analytical standpoint to want to say, we live and die by the by the by the on base percentage, right? When we want to get as many guys on base, create as much traffic, give ourselves as much chance to knock a run in as possible. But the next step to that is you have to knock the run in, right? And the Cubs just have lacked in that dramatically. I'm not going to run hide from the fact that th that there were some significant failures, not just you know dating all the way back to what was it 2018, right? Against when yeah. they blew it in the final couple of weeks, then they lost to the Rockies, and then they lost again, and then they were out because they just couldn't hit the ball. Mm -hmm. I guess that my contention with it all is we're sort of kind of looking at it right now, and it's a twofold, right? Where 
if Jed does bring back a Schwarber or Rizzo or whatever combo you want to talk about, you can kind of be like, well, you know, we still vet those players still have value. They still get it done. Now, let's be very fair. In this particular case, Schwarber got it done in the postseason this year, right? Uh, in this particular case, Chris Bryant did hit some home runs, you know what I mean, in the postseason. Yeah. So for me, I, I get totally get what we're saying because we wanted more, and we really, if we can look at it and say, did all these players reach the potential that we thought that they were going to get to? They did not. But still, yeah. at the same time, I sure did like winning 88 to 95 games a year. Still pretty damn good. And my only contention with that is that if you look at other things in the past, and I mean, maybe it's just because my wife's a big Penguins fan, but, you know, when Sidney Crosby and, and, and Malkin are in between cups, you don't trade Sidney Crosby, right? You, you you keep Sidney Crosby, even if he's not getting it done, but you keep mixing and matching and trying to get the right mix together, and eventually they did find their way back. That was always kind of just my hope with this Cubs team of, you don't need to mess with the core. You need to supplant and you need to accessorize the core. Castellanos is a perfect example, right? Now, look, it didn't get done that particular season. And I'm not running and hiding that they failed in a lot of different moments, but I'd rather cast my lot with that than probably, you know, maybe the end result that we're going to have this year. I mean, I hope that I'm wrong on that, but. Well, and it's, and it's very, very, very clear that Jed Hoyer, I would say specifically, he lost faith on any of these guys going forward of what their, their potential may be going from 22. Cause he easily, right. He could have called up hobby Baez and been like, Hey man, we're going to offer you eight to 200 million and Baez would have been like, where do I sign right now? He could have called up Chris Bryant and said, I'll give you eight at 240," And he would have signed right then Rizzo five at 70. Even if he offered that again in mid season, wouldn't he probably have taken that? But it's very clear. They didn't do that. It's very clear. The Cubs in general, Jeff Hoyer had seen enough and was ready to go. Now, did he probably go too far? I mean, you, you can't tell me that all of those guys have no value. Like you're saying, Joey, they all have value going forward. So I still think he could have identified what he, what he thought were his top two, given them a good extension, kept them around and sent the rest packing. Why it didn't happen. I, I, I don't understand that part either. And to be very fair, let's also live in the reality of, you know, what if they did give Chris Bryant eight years the 260 and he yeah. isn't the hall of fame player that we all thought that he was going to be a couple years ago it, it would probably be messier right maybe we would be more critical of chris bryant maybe the the marriage would be even more toxic than it eventually it became when they ended up trading him i mean it, that's also fair too because i personally thought when chris bryant first came up i was like man one of these years he's gonna hit 45 home runs right and driving yeah. 125 runs and hit like 325 miguel cabrera type stuff and the same thing with Schwarber. It's like, you know, Schwarber eventually will hit 35 to 40 home runs. It just never really got there with those guys, even though I think a lot of them still have value. Dom, hop in. Is, I mean, if that's the situation and it would have presented itself that way, I mean, we'd be in a boat where you're paying Hayward $22 million, You're paying Bryant $25 million, And what if he turns into a Hayward situation? Is yeah. Jason Hayward a Hall of Famer? No. Does no. Jason Hayward go in the Hall of Fame? No. <laughs> I mean, Hall of Fame of Hall of Fame of money, maybe. Yeah, but he goes in the defensive Hall of Fame if they if they ever just create that wing of it. But yeah. Uh, well, let's round up with this final uh, topic here. You know, we've talked a lot about who could be on the team. Let's talk a little bit about who is already on the team and who are some players that we might actually be looking forward to. Because let's be honest, if some of these guys work out 
and become cogs in the lineup, a lot of these this hand-wringing over spending money on this, that, and the other might not be that big of a deal. So I'm going to throw some names out to you guys and just pick one of these players, and we're just going to kind of go around and talk a little bit about each of them. Players like Pete Armstrong, Nico Horner, uh, Nick Madrigal, Brendan Davis, Ian Happ. I'm still going to put him on that list. Which one of those players do you think is most likely to have the biggest impact next season or in the next two seasons to come? Well, I think, you know, Pico Armstrong is, he got injured this year at A-ball. I think Pico Armstrong is minimum two years away, maybe even three years away, unless he mm. just has some magical job. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm kind of most intrigued to see what Magical is going to do. I mean, he's exactly what we, I think he's your leadoff hitter. He's a contact hitter. His projections for next year, 130 games, 298 with a 345 on base, 416 slugs, six home runs for a 2.1 war. If you could put him and even Nico right behind him, if you put those guys and they give you 130 to 40 games and they're both hitting between 280 and 300, that's what you've been missing, right? Then you allow yourself to put a little more swing and miss around them, right? Let them get on base and let a Rizzo, a Schorber, a Frank the Tank, your power guys come up and do their thing. Ian Happ, I just, I just can't. Like his projections for next year. Playing center field though. Who's our center fielder next year? I mean, well, I, I think that depends what goes on in the shortstop market, right? I think if they go out and get a shortstop, whether it's Javi back, Trevor oh, Story, Nico oh, goes to yeah. center field. Yeah. They've got Ian Happ next year. And you guys can, I, I think this is full of shit. You guys can agree or disagree. 147 games. He's going to go 240. That might be 337 on base, 458, but he's going to drop 30 bombs. Ian Happ going to do that next year for us? Seriously. Uh, let's all uh, let's all take a moment of silence to remember we did over-unders last year, and Jacques Peterson's over-under was 32.5 home runs. Remember that? <laughs> that, that that's... I, I just can't with Ian Happ. The, the guy doesn't show up for four months out of the year. Then he gets hot when it doesn't matter. People want to say, oh, well, if they played him more, his numbers would be better. No, he is what he is. He's a mediocre defender. He's a mediocre hitter, and he should be a bench player going forward. And it really pisses me off that he beat the Cubs in arbitration last year. So, so I, I, I'm excited about the young guys. I want to see Magical. I want to see Horner. I think Brennan Davis is probably more a, like, midsummer type guy because didn't he just end the year AAA for, like, two weeks? Unless he has a monster spring training, I think he's more like a July, August type guy. So I, I'm going to lean towards Magical and Horner. Yeah, the thing with Brennan Davis is it really depends on who we bring in in the offseason because you have to protect him in the lineup when you bring him up, right? You have to be really, really careful about the matchups, where you put him in the lineup, and how you expose him to different things as he goes through bumps in the road during the season. Uh, Dom, hop in. Out of any of those players, you know, Horner, Brennan Davis, Magical, are, are you excited a little bit more for one or the other to hopefully make an impact on the team next year? So just so I'm straight, Sean, you've got Madrigal, Nico, Wisdom, Schwindel, Contreras, and Hayward. In the lineup, that's one through six. That, oh, no, no, no. Is, I, is that I, a scary lineup I, to you? you? You haven't heard Jason Hayward come out, come out of my mouth. I, <laughs> I don't have Swindle in there. Then you don't wisdom. have an outfield. You need an outfield. Have, I don't have Swindle or Wisdom in there. Okay. That's how you got to go spend some money on the offense. Just you were setting up that lineup, and I was like, "Wait a minute, let oh, me no, just no, piece no, no, this no. out a second. That's why I'm all for. If you're going to have guys like that to bring back, like a Schwarber and Rizzo, and have those guys be your build lineup with, with those other two at the top. Because right now, that's as it stands right now. That is a terrifying, that is a terrifying front six. Can you imagine, though, if, you're, if your top three 
And if, if they live up to it, again, we never know. But if it's a if it's a, a magical hitting leadoff, hitting 300, Nico with the two spot hitting 272, 80, and then they sign someone like a Castellanos hitting in your three spot, who's gonna? That's a pretty damn good top three there, right? No, I agree. I agree, and I will say, just from watching Magical last year, I I I really really like him a whole lot. I would maybe even offer to flip i would do maybe nico lead off oh, right. and magical go uh, hit in the two hole just because he can handle the bat better and he can just uh, on clear contact keep it moving all that good stuff and the other part about magical is he's not a great base runner um well, obviously young kid see how that goes as time moves along but um, Man, that's totally fair not a, not a great base runner at this time dom hop in Okay, so the only reason Ian Happ is on the team is because he's a switch hitter. That I mean, and he's got pictures of somebody. That, I mean, that's that's clearly is he a switch hitter? Well, yeah, just because you can step in either box doesn't make you a switch hitter. I understand, I understand that. Um, tough matchups. Got to play tough matchups with Ian Happ. Um, but you know, Pete Crow Armstrong, like you mentioned two and a half to maybe three plus away. I mean, if you're only getting six to 10 games in single a, you know, great. Why don't you look up my stat too? Yeah, so he's in the um, Owen Gassi Preciado area yeah. of, yeah. So, I mean, we got time. We got time with him. Does he have upside? Sure. Um, we'll trade him for Jose Quintana in three years. <laughs> but I think the biggest impact this year has got to be, you know, as much as I want to hype up Brennan Davis, I think, Sean, you're right. It, it's it's at least a half a year away. I mean, he spent most of the year single A, double A, and only at the end did they put him up in triple A. Did he rake at double A and triple A? Yeah. Um, is it fun to watch? Yeah. You got, you got a kid who's got some talent in this organization, and you're just like, hey, you know who doesn't have any talent in this organization? Half the guys in the lineup at the end of this year. Why, why not bring him up? But, you know, you don't want to start fields before it's too early. You know what I mean? Um, so this year, you know, I, I don't know. Nick Madrigal, maybe. I don't know. I'd, I'd sure like to see Nico healthy all year because things yeah. got off to a pretty quick start when he was healthy and playing well. Um, we haven't seen him play a whole season yet, which is kind of scary. Um, not in terms of an upside, but more of a downside that, you know, where's the reliability in Nico and, you know, he could just be running to second base and blow a hamstring. And then that's a month. Um, I can't have that on my team as much as I might like Nico and the way he hits the ball and, and where he falls in the lineup, because I think in, eventually you could put Brennan Davis towards the top of the lineup in a two or a three hole, um, which will bump Nico back to a six or seven hole. Maybe a seven is more in the lineup where he should be. Um, so I, like I, as much as I want to say Brennan Davis, that's probably a year, an answer a year out. Um, but I, I, I'd go with Nico. Uh, he's got a lot of upside. I'd love to see him healthy. I'd love to see him just keep doing what he's doing because, you know, he's had the learning curve in the, in the big leagues the last couple of years. And he's more or less besides the injury bug, he's answered the question. Now, does he strike out too much? Probably. Um, but you're also, you know, he's a young guy. You're asking him to do a lot. Um, I'm, I'm Nico's my guy. Nico's the answer. Yeah. The soft tissue stuff kind of de definitely does scare me for a guy who's supposed to be versatile and running all over the field. Those are th that mix isn't really great together. And, and, and what we're kind of getting at too is I think the answer to this question is I really hope this isn't the thing that I'm looking forward to the most next year is this collection of players. Um, because I would really re much rather wrap my head around making these hopefully, um, making hopefully these like frugal moves 
and bringing in a collection of guys that you know aren't maybe necessarily top tier players but have a track record of some sort of success and us trying to talk our way into the Cubs winning 84 85 games and Wade Miley winning 12 games you know what I mean and if it's only <laughs> if it's only seeing what Nick, Nick Nick Madrigal can do next year and waiting and counting the days until Brendan Davis is up uh, this is going to be a very, very, very long season. Dom, how about yes, it is. Looking at it right now, over under 71 wins. As of today, under. Mm-hmm. Under, yeah. How far under? Are we talking like 55? 100 is a 1,000% in the in the making right here because we haven't even talked about the bullpen, and that used to be the soup du jour <laughs> of, of the Cubs' problems. Uh, uh, I gotta go I to page two if you want to talk about the bullpen. And I hope, I, <laughs> and I hope Cody, I hope Cody Hoyer is uh, our closer next year. I hope they give him a shot, and maybe Rowan Wick comes back, and all that other jazz. But uh, no, we haven't even gotten to that part yet. And if you're telling me it's Hendricks and Wade Miley, game one, game two, uh, <laughs> there she goes. Ball's gonna be flying over the yard. Um, we got to get out of here. But final topic though. Uh, hot takes unload on me guys. Is there anything out there? You got your pen in your pad, Dom, Sean, anything else that's been rattling around your head that we haven't picked up about the Chicago Cubs team, or maybe a hot prediction for the winner about what this Cubs team may or may not do. I guess if I, if I was going to give a a hot take and this is just going to be me being like hopeful and me being wishful that they mean what they say when Ricketts and Jed says we're gonna spend money. We have money to spend. We're gonna be competitive next year. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they go out and land Corey Seager. You mm. see you see their name tied to him quite a bit. I think they're gonna give him the money. He's gonna be a Cub next year. Nico's gonna get bumped to center field, and all of a sudden you've got a good top three or four. Hopefully, he won't be your only signing on the offensive, but I think he's gonna be your big signing. And just to be very fair, uh, give me a guess: five years, two eighty. Six year, well, no, it had to be more than that, right? It'd be like yeah, six. You know, he, he's he's a guy that I think because of his age, he's only what twenty eight. He's going to be in that six to eight year range. So you're probably look. What if you if you offered him seven at two ten? Would he say no? And you would get him through age thirty five. I would say yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dom, that face on age 35, Corey Seager. He still can hit the fastball, though, Gene. Uh, Dom, uh, give us a hot take or react to that Corey Seager. Well, you know what? I was going to, you know, when you asked for a hot take, besides my uh, C.B. Buckner hot take earlier uh, <laughs> off air, um, I I would have said that they're going to land Seager or Correa. Um, but I can't wait for the Cubs convention to answer, to go after Ricketts up. Oh, wait, we can't do that because they're afraid of the public anymore. Um, so my hot take is actually going to be robot umpires, DH and uh, Corey Seager. Ooh, wow. So wait, robot umpires next year. Yeah, here we come. Wow. Here we CB, come. You're out of a job. Angel replay booth. Joe West hit the Joe saloon. West, done. Yeah. You're already done. You I mean, go sing something. You're a Uh, As it stands right now, my hot take is probably this is going to be a very, very, very disappointing winner. Um, And I and I want to hear you guys on Korea. That's not a hot take. I mean, that's just that's just the take. That's just the weather. Just stick your finger. (laughs) I mean, that's just that's the most likely outcome, right? (laughs) Well, because look, like I I saw an article in the Athletic, and it was just like, could the Cubs be in on Juan Soto in 2025? And look, like they sold us that BS a bunch of years ago. And they didn't even do it when we were winning. So why the hell would they do it now when they're trying to, you know, when they're trying to rebuild or 
find the next generation of Cubs, whatever like nonsense that means, because the generation was is still in the league, by the way, um, and they were hitting home runs all throughout October baseball. The our generation of Cubs that are you know what I mean. So yeah. I just um, I'm really curious to see. I do really hope that a collection of Castellano, Schwarber, and Soler that they do bring one of those guys back, not just because they're ex Cubs, but because I think it would be a good move just in general for the team moving forward. And in terms of pitching. I don't really see them getting I, – I see them going bargain basement. I'm throwing some flyers out at some dudes on some one-year deals, some Scott Feldman types, and you either say, hey, it either works out, B, it doesn't work out, or C, it works out so great, we trade them again in the summer and maybe see if they'll actually decide to open up the purse strings the year after. Sean, hop in. Well, let's let's kind of maybe end it in, with this. I'm going to over-under for you guys, and you tell me. The Cubs' payroll right now is, what, around 70-ish million? Mm-hmm. So let's over under, they add 60 million in payroll between now and next year. So go from 70 to just so 130. Is that minus over, the Wade Miley money? Over, no, let's, let's, yeah, okay. Well, so we'll add, we'll say Miley puts them at 80. So 60 more to get them to 140. Over under 60 million they add from now to spring training. I am going to go slightly over, but mm. not, not, I, I think they're going to probably settle in as much as I would like to see them just go up to the 160, 170, and then go to the 190 the year after, yeah. you know, like a major market franchise that makes <laughs> billions of dollars every year, but whatever. Um, I, I see them more in that 140, 150, maybe 155 area. And don't, and don't be surprised. I think that money goes up real quick because they have so many spots to fill. There's so mm. many. Uh, Brian Boxberger, one-year, $2 million deals. They got to dole out just to fill out this roster next year. So it could get fudged and could, might see, seem a little bit bigger than it actually is. I'm going slightly over. Dom, what say you? That, you know, like as much as I want to disagree with you and take shortly under, I think you're right in the fact of like – you're going to, they're going to end up overpaying for whatever crap they get off the scrap heap. I mean, if, if you want, if you want Sonny Gray, you're going to give them 15, like you said, $15 million a year. That's, that's a quarter of that 60 million. And you still have seven other positions that you need to fill. Um, it's, it's got to be over because you're going to, everybody's going to overpay for everybody. And it also sort of sounds like not we're like not you own be... a neighborhood or anything. It better be over. That's, that's the correct answer, right? It better be over. Well, that's the, 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 that's the follow-up is what's the number that would make you feel like that they're actually trying to turn this thing around in the short span of time? $300 million? <laughs> yeah, you, Whoa. What are we at, 80 we're the, Dodgers, we're the Dodgers now, apparently. We're going to sign all it, the shorts. Why does it work for them? It, I mean, uh, they, they spend money. They get talent. They're reaching the last step every year. I'm not, if I'm another team, I don't like playing the Dodgers. That team is stacked. I don't know who, what outside can get in the lineup. What's wrong with spending money? If you have money, spend money. Well, money. and that, and that's the thing, man, is everyone keeps saying that, you know, the Cubs needed to start over. And I just think the whole thing is bullshit because when Jed and Theo came in, they said they wanted to turn us into the franchises that are one of the mainstays among the major leagues. And if you go around to the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Braves, I can Red name Fox. a bunch of you know the the Red Sox, the Yankees. Every single year, they are over 500. And even when they do take a step back, it is for months, not for years. Look at the Boston Red Sox who traded Mookie Betts. What did they do? They went out and got a Kiki Hernandez. They got a Hunter Renfro. You know what I mean? Like honestly, like they just decided to do. We're going to spend a, a little bit on a lot instead of a lot on a little. 
and next thing you know, they bounced right back in. And, you know, their, their pitching rotation, their starting rotation was nothing to, you know, wag your finger at. But they went out and they picked up a couple of guys, put some stuff together, and they got right back into it. So for someone to say that, like, hey, you know, the Cubs just aren't ready and they need a couple years, just I, I just call BS on that. Because there's a really easy way to do things concurrently at the same time while you're bringing kids up and letting them whatever – mature in the minors because they're not helping you next year you can go out and pick up a bunch of grizzled vets and get out there and win 80 to 4 to 85 88 games be in the playoffs and who knows maybe when those young kids come up they'll be part of a winning experience oh god forbid you know what i mean I... <laughs> right and I, and I think to answer your question like bare minimum bare 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 minimum that payroll has to be 150 they can afford way more than that but i understand not putting not pushing all in for this year. The players aren't there for that, right? Both in, in the court, current organization and free agency. But minimum 150, that means you spent 80 million this offseason. And if you're going to do a bunch of one and two year deals for 10 to 15, that's going to net you at least seven to eight players right there. And it also means you could possibly be a true legitimate contender in 2023. And that's the whole idea. Dom, final thoughts? God, what are we doing? What is the, what's happening in this organization? This is a premier, this is a top three city in the country. This is a premier organization. They make money. They have a cable network. They own a neighborhood. And you're asking me if they're going to spend $60 million in the off season. What the hell is going on? Who is steering this ship? Loosen the purse strings. I don't want to take this many notes. This is ridiculous. I don't want to hate on guys this much. I want to be excited. I want to watch the marquee network. That's twice. Spend some money. Put a winning team on the field. It also exciting. It also made me think, and 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 real quick, we're gonna get out of here in a second. But it also made me think too that Chicago sports, I think in general, has a complex that we don't really fully realize and understand. Where you know, when I grew up, we had the Bulls, right? And the Bulls were good for about 10, 11, 12 years, which I think is the outlier in all of our other sports situations because we really ride on cycles and a Chicago sports cycle I think lasts maybe five or six years tops um, and it doesn't have to be like that you guys sometimes these teams they do it for decades upon decades and I do feel like a little bit of that had to do with getting rid of that Cubs core last year also the fact that they lost 11 games in a row also the fact they traded you Darvish also the fact they didn't spend any money on their rotation or their bullpen but you know all that other stuff but eventually we were like we have to just we have to tear it down and start all over again because that's what Chicago sports teams do we tear it down and we start all over again which I think is just such the wrong way of thinking where I thought we were buying into not just five or six years I thought we were getting in getting in for 12 to 15 years and now we're already right back of, you know, let's see what happens when the kids come up. And the White Sox organization does it. The Bulls over the last 20, 25 years, they've done it. The Bears sure damn do it. And the Blackhawks, what, they had, I mean, they had a run that lasted seven. And they just couldn't keep it together because of salary cap and a bunch of other stuff. This is because of the Chicago, the great Chicago fire. You know, you burned our city and we're just like, we're going to rebuild it right away. How long did that take? Oh, I thought that was another shout out for another show for Dick Wolf, <laughs> Chicago Fire on Thursday. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, really paying, you're paying the bills today, Dom. Like another page, Chicago Fire stats. Here we go. Well, and, and let's say this too: like what they're doing now goes against what we were promised as fans when the Ricketts bought the team and they brought in Hoyer and, and Theo Epstein ten years ago. Now, right? We we were told it was going to be run different. 
We're not going to be the Tribune company anymore. We're not going to be cheap. We're not going to do, we're not going to scale back. We have money. We make money. We print money. We have a TV network now. We sell out. We sell shit tons of tickets and merchandise. We have the money to spend. We do concerts. We do football games at Ridley. We have the money to spend. And then the Ricketts bought the entire neighborhood, screwed themselves. And they want to blame the pandemic. But again, that didn't stop the Dodgers. It's not stopping the Yankees. It's not stopping the Red Sox. Other big markets team aren't issuing the same excuses to their fans that we keep getting from our ownership here. It's such a shame to see us revert back to the Tribune days when we were told going forward it would never be like that again. Yeah, and I would just say to a lot of Cubs fans, just stop thinking that you're so smart every time you're like, we just should just rebuild Uh, because it's not that easy. It's pretty crazy, and it actually doesn't always really work out the exact same way. Uh, we got a jet, you guys. Cubs Consigliere, Sean Graves, and Dom Fortini here on Bet on Chicago. Gentlemen, great to see you. Uh, it's been a little while, but, you know, I think we got back. We got back some of the Cubs vibes a little bit, and we're going to see what happens in a couple months. And hopefully when I come, when you guys come back on, we're talking about additions that we like. And hopefully it's, it's something that's going to help make this team more competitive next year. Uh, great to see you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. And... <laughs> Another plug for the market. <laughs> final, final. I had, to, I had to get in the third time. I can't stop on two. It's not what I get paid for around here. Final marquee shout out. Also, final shout out to today's episode, which was presented by BetOnline.ag. Fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Believe Fifty B L E A V five zero. Make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We'll be back with more. Until then, remember when doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.